Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Solution podcast. Today it's uh, Adik Olsen, who's your host, and I'm just quickly dropping by to set up this um, recording from one of the conferences we had last year. And the reason why we wanted to start early in our podcast series with showing you some recordings is to kind of quickly introduce new listeners to the philosophy, the backbone, the foundation of what One Solution is, what we're trying to do, why we think it's one solution to all the world's problems, and why that matters. So this first um, first little recording is from Mara Gleason, and it's from the first ever One Solution conference that was in Oslo in 2016. And in it, she very succinctly explains that the whole world is trying to solve problems by looking at the symptoms. And as soon as you look at the source of something, everything changes. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this uh, little recording and see you on the next episode. I wanted to talk about this idea that we're not headed in the wrong direction, we're looking in the wrong direction. And the reason I say that speaks a lot to what George pointed out, that there's a really hopeful direction when people start to see what's really behind what we're dealing with. But the problem is we're so used to looking at what we're dealing with out there and going, like, that looks scary. Like, how many people have had the thought, I think the world is headed in the wrong direction right now. I, it's hard for me to watch the news and not have that thought. <laughs> like, when I look at everything going on with conflict and terrorism and, and our political system and technology, and it, it's just so tempting to get this icky feeling like, oh, the world's headed in the wrong direction. But to George's point that there's, there's a more hopeful direction, and I want to talk about what the world looks like when you start looking in a different direction, because it, it, it almost immediately stops looking hopeless and scary and starts looking hopeful and manageable and actually really fun to take a stab at making better. So um, when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, okay, what's wrong with the direction that we're looking at right now. What is the direction we're tempted to look in right now? And I was thinking of, um, I got a master's in social work and I had to take statistics. I don't know if anyone's taken statistics or research. It wasn't particularly my forte, but um, one of the things that they really harp on about in those classes is this notion of correlation does not imply causation. Have you guys heard that term before? So when you're doing a study, there's always temptation to prove your point. You want to prove the hypothesis of your study by saying, oh, this caused this, or this correlated to that, and therefore that means. And teachers are all over you about, uh-uh, correlation does not imply causation. You can't say that. You don't have proof there. And it occurred to me that that is the problem with the direction that the world is looking in right now, is we've accidentally said, oh, this correlates to this, therefore. And I think it's the biggest 
trick of the mind that society is currently being held back by. And what that illusory correlation we've made is that things outside of us cause our feeling. It's the biggest trick in the world, and it's a little bit of a myth that society is currently trapped in. We have correlated our feeling states to things outside of us. So I'll give you examples, like uh, people think that traffic is stressful, or that having a certain amount of money will bring you peace of mind, or that if you get a good grade, you feel better than if you get a bad grade, or if the girls like you or the boys like you, then you can feel better in your teen years than if they don't. And you can see all the, and it, it's actually, it's, if you get curious about this correlation, you'll notice it's in almost every single sentence that people utter. Oh, I want to get that car because it's so fun. Like, it'll be fun when I have that car. Or I want to go on vacation there because we just had, oh, my wife and I had such a nice time when we were in that place. And you'll see it in ads and you'll hear it on the news. There's just a cultural assumption that humanity currently lives in that says, my feeling comes from X, Y, Z, these things out there. And the interesting thing is, if you look into what that phrase means, that correlation does not imply causation, you'll see, just for fun, you can look it up. I actually found on Forbes, they had a funny series of graphs that they put together of ridiculous things that are correlated. Like George made the joke that if you wanted to, you could say, every time a city floods, people put up umbrellas, so it must be the umbrellas that are causing the flood. Like, that's a ridiculous, but it's, that's essentially what they're trying to help people avoid in research is we have a temptation to go, that happened, that happened, oh, they must be causing each other. There's a cause and effect here because I saw that and that at the same time. And they did this one study which I thought was so fascinating because you can see how tempting it is. is they, they, there was a study, this was as recent as 1999, that the University of Pennsylvania put out which they had discovered that kids, babies, who were put to sleep in rooms with the light on were more likely to develop myopia, nearsightedness. So this study actually went viral. They were talking about it on news programs and in the New York Times. They're saying, don't put your babies to sleep in a room with the light on because they'll have bad eyesight later in life. And then someone came along from Ohio State and said, well, hang on a second. Babies sleep all the time everywhere. Babies sleep out in the daylight. Babies sleep in a room with the lights on, lights off. Like, I'm pretty sure babies have been sleeping in all different environments, light and dark, for like thousands of years. So what are we, is this really true? So we looked into it, and do you know what he discovered? That people, parents, who were nearsighted were more likely to leave the lights on because it helped them see their kid in the middle of the night when they were checking on them. And yes, genetically, if your parents are nearsighted, you're most likely to also develop nearsightedness. So it was genetic, which we already knew, but here was that they had to debunk this huge study that had gone viral and all these people, oh, you can't leave the lights on when you put your baby to death, because they'd just drawn a correlation and a causation that wasn't real. And you can see, once it's made visible, it kind of looks ridiculous, like, oh yeah. 
People with bad eyesight tend to have kids that end up having bad eyesight, so they leave the lights on. Duh. So it and and there's like thousands of these. I mean, you could see that people have really correlated some pretty preposterous things throughout history. I mean, if you look, we're always falling for illusions, humans. Like, I don't know how many years it was that we thought the sun revolved around us because it looks like that, right? So one of the biggest things that we're dealing with as human beings is that we tend to fall for tricks of the mind. And the biggest trick of the mind, in my opinion, that is massively holding society back, that if it were revealed for the myth that it is, would unleash a massive ripple effect of progress and change, is if people knew that their experience was not caused by things outside of them, even though it looks like it is. Even though it looks like I'm Mara Gleason, when I take the subway to work in the morning in Manhattan and it's full of a bajillion people smushed up against me and we're all trying to get somewhere and then suddenly the train stops and it's, oh, are we going, oh, how long are we gonna be stuck here? And as I get stressed, I feel totally justified in thinking that it's the subway commute stressing me out. But if I were to do what my statistics teachers did to me in grad school and said, well, let's, ta let's take a look at that. Is that consistent? Can you prove that every single time without a shadow of a doubt? Well, no, actually. I can't say that crowded subway commutes in the morning cause human stress. I can't say that. Why? Because I noticed there's a kid over here singing. He looks like he's having a good time. So if subway rides cause stress, how come he looks like he's having a good time? And actually, I've just noticed this myself, but if you watch kids walking around in life with parents, you'll notice that they always look like they're having more fun than parents are. Like, walking down sidewalks, kids are like skipping or singing. It's like, and next to them is an adult on the same sidewalk in the same city in the same environment, and they look very, you know, perturbed and kind of serious. And so if I were to apply scientific rigor, I would see, no, it's, it, it can't be causal because there are some people that are sitting on the subway reading a newspaper and don't look bothered. There's kids singing and dancing. There's crazy people screaming. They're so annoyed. They're beyond stress. They're not even in the stress category. They're in the almost violent category. I mean, you see the whole range of human emotion and human experience when you ride a subway. So you couldn't say this external event causes this feeling because it's massively varied person to person. I know Aaron and I work with a lot of businesses and it's so funny because you go to certain cities like DC, LA, New York, and it's like the first thing people love to talk about when they walk in the room and sit down. It's like, oh, the traffic coming in this morning. Did you notice how bad the traffic was? And everybody loves to talk. And there's always one or two people that are like, oh, that's my favorite time in the morning. You know, I just get to space out. No kids asking me for anything. I love it. If I get stuck in a traffic jam, I'm like, bring it on. That's two hours of me by myself in a metal box and nobody's bothering me. <laughs> And all the other people that are like, oh, it was so hard, the traffic was so bad, they look at that person like they're a freak of nature, like, oh, well, you're just weird. But there's always that random spread that no human experiences the same external stimulus the same way as everybody else. 
I remember when I went traveling to Brazil after I graduated, I got my master's degree and I went and did volunteer work in Brazil. And I worked in a public health clinic for women and children. And it fascinated me. These people had no money. They were living in the favelas and the slums, literally in like in between pieces of corrugated metal that they'd propped up. And they're at this tiny health clinic, like lying out the door around the corner. Most delightful, upbeat people I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. And they had so much less than me. And they were so happy and light. I don't know if you've ever been to Brazil, but in my opinion, those people just kind of live life, enjoy it. They don't have a lot of the same ideas. And I remember talking to the janitor of the public health clinic, and he was smiling and whistling. And I said something like, oh, are you having a good day? And he said, of course, why wouldn't I be? And I remember thinking, because I was just out of grad school and all my friends were stressing about what job they were going to get. And I was looking at him like, he seems pretty happy. And these people invited me to dinners. They, they were very upset that I was staying and paying for a hotel. It was like a hostel hotel. And they kept saying, don't pay for a hostel. Come stay with me. And I'm thinking, I've seen your house <laughs> and your neighborhood. And that is so thoughtful and kind of you, but no thank you. <laughs> And they'd offer to give me the mattress. I'm like, well, then where are the other six people going to go that were normally sleeping on that mattress? But it just, you start to see how it can't be causal because it's too varied. The other thing that's fascinating is look at yourself. Look at just you. You're not even statistically consistent. (laughs) You don't get bothered by the same things every single day. There's some days where I'm on a subway in New York City and it's packed full of people and I'm just in awe. I don't want to be anywhere else because I think it's so cool that I live in a city with so many interesting people. And I have these moments sometimes where I'm just so touched by how much humanity there is around me. I'm like, this is so cool that I get to live in this city and there's all these people and we're all touching each other and we don't really know each other, <laughs> but it's kind of cool. And like yesterday, I was like, get off me, you know? This is so stressful and my commute is so stressful. And the next day I'm in awe of humanity and I feel so grateful to be a part of it. So I can't even say my own experience is 100% correlated in me because it changes all the time. And yet, when I point these out, it looks so obvious. Like, yeah, of course, people experience things differently. And of course, I experience things differently day to day. It looks so obvious when you point it out. But that's not really the assumption that the world is going on right now. The world is going on this idea that it's things out there that make us miserable or make us happy or make us stressed or make us okay, And because of that, It's a very scary world. Because if your experience is placed outside of you, you have to defend yourself against that. Who knows what's going to happen next? Who's going to stress me out? Who's going to make me feel bad? Who's going to make me angry? What do I have to do to make sure I'm okay? I know, this is very intimidating. She's laughing at me. (laughs) Clearly, I need to lift weights, and then I'll do something. But you can see how if your experience is placed outside of you, the world gets very scary. I love, I hear this all the time as people always talk about, oh, the pace of technology. It's making us slaves. We're slaves to technology. (laughs) 
no one is okay without their iPhone or their laptop or their email. And you have to respond because the pace is so fast. And if you don't keep up. And I love thinking like, okay, if the world worked in that direction, then we could make some creepy like zombie iPhone horror film where all the iPhones are like, I'm going to eat you because we're slaves to technology. But if you look in the other direction, to the one that George was pointing in, the one I'm starting to point in is, well, wait a second. What's actually driving the human experience? It's the mind. It's only the mind. It's only ever been the mind. It's only ever going to be the mind. So there are days where I'm a really sensible, normal human being with my iPhone. And I know it's just a device that I can utilize to help me if I want, when I want. Because the iPhone does not have a brain and it does not have hands that can come and grab me and get inside my head and make me feel like a slave to it. So you start to realize that people see, oh, we talk about life as if it's happening to us. That's really unhelpful. And we kind of are a little numb to that. We're used to that assumption. But what I want these next couple of days to do is really reverse that so we can all start looking in the right direction, the real direction, which is the human experience comes from the mind. And so much becomes possible when people see that truth. And so much looks hard and scary and impossible when we think it's the other way around. So there's going to be speakers up here in the next couple days that are going to show you what happens when prison inmates realize that they're thinking up their experience of life and what that does for their quality of life and then what that does for the system that they're in and how that changes the whole way the system looks. And you're going to hear how people who've worked with refugees see that if the only thing that we knew was that we didn't have to be frightened by other people and things out there, it would be a much less violent world. We all wouldn't be killing each other. And therefore, things that are displacing people right now, like war and terrorism, wouldn't be happening. Honest to goodness, you could not murder someone if you knew your experience came from you, not them. So as much as it sounds like a very personal direction I'm pointing to, that personal direction is so massively global in terms of what's possible for the future of humanity. So I'm very excited over the next couple of days for you to see examples of what happens in the world in seemingly tough situations and global complex situations when people just catch a glimpse of, well, what if we looked in this direction instead of that direction? Thank you. podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.